Desirable difficulties. Does that sound like an oxymoron? Hey, we're going to talk about how your greatest challenge may be setting you up for your greatest achievement. Do you love your work? Do you think it's possible? Well, you're about to find out. It's time for 48 Days to the Work You Love with Dan Miller on the 48 Days Online Radio Show. Whether you need a professional tune-up or a work overhaul, this is the program for you. Now, here's your host, Dan Miller. Well, hey, this is going to be one of those themed podcasts right here during the holidays. You know, I know we're busy with a lot of things and you know, perhaps you're finding challenged to even listen to your regular podcast. I appreciate that. We're going to be taking some time off as well. But I wanted to insert this topic, desirable difficulties. I come back to it again and again and again because I hear people who are going through challenging things and they're just convinced it's the end of the world. So we're going to talk about how to frame your difficulties into your greatest assets, why you can stop worrying that age is a barrier to finding or forging a new career path or to find the opportunities for meaningful work that are perfect for you, why a setback may be setting you up for your greatest achievement. So our quotation comes from Charles de Gaulle, who said, a man of character finds a special attractiveness in difficulty since it is only by coming to grips with difficulty that he can realize his potentialities. I love that. Here we got a resource for you. Actually, I'm going to link you to a Nightingale Conant resource. It's not even on our site. It's a program that I did called Dream Job. And you know what? I just discovered, I just saw that they have cut the price right here at Christmas time from $199.95, which is what it always is, to $39.95. So I'll link you to that. It's just a resource. I'll tell you a little bit more about it. If it's something that appeals to you, it kind of compiles a lot of the principles that I want to talk through here just briefly today. So desirable difficulties. Does this seem like an impossible contradiction? I mean, is it really an oxymoron? You know, combining words that don't fit together, you know, like honest attorney and financial peace, and we could go on. We recognize, you know, a lot of those, you know, the living dead, Organized mess, alone in a crowd. How about jumbo shrimp? How does that make sense? Jumbo shrimp, hot ice. Well, we can go on and on. You get the idea. But what about this desirable difficulties? Well, there's a couple psychologists, Robert and Elizabeth Bork, who maintain that there are, in fact, desirable difficulties. Now, here's some examples. Remember Robin Williams, you know, gone now, but the great comedian. He saw words upside down and backwards. It reminds me of my own son, Jared. What do other kids in school do, you know, when they think you're an idiot? What do you try to do when other people are seeing you as having problems with simple things like reading? Well, a lot of times you try to do funny things to create some social esteem, to be the class clown. I mean, that's certainly what Robin did, and it launched him into amazing career. Now, with a sad ending, unfortunately, Chris Garner's wife left him. He lost his house, his bank account, credit cards, lived on the streets with his son. Of course, was profiled in that great movie, but ends up as a super successful stockbroker. As a child, Harrison Ford was targeted by bullies. As a poor student, he signed up for drama class, hoping for an easy, good grade. It's the only reason he signed up for drama class, just hoping to get an easy, good grade. And it triggered something in him. And of course, he went on 
My goodness, so there's a new movie he's got coming out right now. He's been making movies a very long time. Well, the Borks, the psychologists, have shown that introducing certain difficulties into the learning process can actually improve long-term retention and learning of the material. And they say we often seek to eliminate difficulties in learning to our own detriment. I mean, think about how many times we've done that in our own lives with our children. Try to make it easy for them. We don't want them to have difficult. We don't have them to have them struggle. I mean, it makes me think of the, you know, the old story about the the butterfly, you know, coming out of a cocoon. Well, we see that starting to break open. We think oh, I'm going to help him get out of there. So we help him, we cut the cocoon, let him get out of there. Well, it's just kind of a bulbous mass that lives for about 24 hours and dies. It never becomes a butterfly because it's in the the struggle of getting out of that silly thing that it pushes blood out into the wings and forces it to become the beautiful butterfly that we recognize. Well, Richard Branson says, I left school when I was 16 years old, partly because of my dyslexia. I couldn't always follow what was going on, so I didn't find the lessons interesting. I became distracted. My teachers thought I was just lazy because back then people didn't understand as much about dyslexia as they do today. On one of my last days at school, the headmaster told me that I would either end up in prison or become a millionaire. That was quite a starting prediction, but in some aspects, he was right on both counts. You know, that's that's often true of you know, people who are extremely creative. They do something astounding, or they really are a detriment to society. Even Albert Einstein is thought to have been affected by this learning disability. The famous physicist once said that it is a miracle that curiosity survives formal education. Ouch. Which is especially true if you have dyslexia. Not being exceptionally academically does not mean that you cannot be exceptional. Now, there's a book, I refer to it often, it was written a few years ago, my friend Malcolm Gladwell in the book, David and Goliath. He helped us understand how we've been misled and how we view these, what we think of as disadvantages. So conventional wisdom, yeah, tells us that a difficulty is something to be avoided, that it's a setback that leaves you worse off than you would be otherwise. So think about that. Again, the title of the book, David and Goliath, you all know the biblical story. Goliath was massive. Six feet nine, at least, as near as we can kind of figure out, I guess. He had a bronze helmet, a full body armor. He carried a javelin, a spear, and a sword. He was expecting hand-to-hand combat, and he knew he could take anyone out with that method. It never occurred to him that the battle might be fought on other terms, but we know it was. David was small, no military equipment or experience. He saw a different solution and knew his skill with the sling, and took out the giant. What would have been seen as his disadvantage actually worked in his favor. He was quick. He was agile. He had experience in a totally different kind of warfare, so to speak, with his sling than what Goliath expected with his big shield and sword. Well, people are often ruined by challenging economic situations. I mean, abject poverty certainly has blocked the release of the best skills in in some areas. But you know what else is dangerous? Having too much wealth. When I've seen kids lose their ambition. Well, you know, it's funny. I have a couple of people come to mind just as I even say that. Lose their ambition and consequently their sense of pride and self-worth because there's nothing to work for. Everything comes too easily. I mean, I've got a friend whose dad was a very famous country music singer. And ended up with 
lots and lots of property and millions of dollars is that, well, the son has never really found a way to do anything himself. And all he's done his entire life is live off the money the daddy left. Golly, that's, that's a disadvantage rather than an advantage. Well, parents can say with honesty, we can't afford it. Um, you know, but, but what if they really can? I mean, what if you want a Porsche? And dad says no. He's not saying we can't afford it because you see his Ferrari and mom's, you know, Escalade sitting in the driveway. You know what he's really saying? We will not. Saying we can't afford it is easy. Saying we won't, re- we won't requires much more conversation about why it's not always right. Yes, I could buy that for you, but it's not consistent with our values, and I don't think you're going to learn the right life lessons if we just give this to you. Golly, I mean, I, I love the times when my own children turn 16. I mean, I'm a car guy. I love that time. And it was always tempting to think, wow, I want to just gift them with the best car I possibly can. Well, you know what happens when people don't have skin in a game? They don't value things as much. So with our kids, it was always, it will help you. What are you putting into the game here? What are you doing? You know, have you saved up some money? We'll match you. We've even done that with some of our grandkids. They turn 16, whatever you've saved up, we'll match it. Yeah, that's fun. They got some skin in the game. I remember when Ashley, my daughter, turned 16, I bought her a Volvo four-door sedan, it was nice looking, but I paid $700 for it at a repo auction. It was solid mechanically. It looked good. She and I together, she wanted to know about cars. She didn't want to just get behind the wheel and drive it. She wanted to know about cars. So we put new brakes on it. We did some other things. I think we changed the spark plugs on it, did some other mechanical work. So she really understood that part of it. But she took ownership of that and really took care of it. And we gradually helped her advance up into other nicer cars over a period of time. Well, do you have what you think is a desirable difficulty in your current or past circumstances? I mean, something that maybe you've tried to eliminate. But that could be the very seed for opening the door to your greatest successes. Now, what do you tell people when you first meet them? I mean, like everyone else, I can tell my story and I can tell it actually in a couple different versions. So in in Dream Job, this resource that I'm telling you about today too, I tell a little bit of my own story and I'll tell you some of it here. Like most people, my story can be framed by the limitations I had or by looking at the desirable difficulties. So here's, here's a quick synopsis. I grew up in a home where we didn't even have running water until I was in the eighth grade. I knew nothing but poverty. I, I remember, golly, I remember when we got our first cow and milked it by hand, one cow, one Guernsey cow, and then we got up to 12. We still milked by hand. Guess who was helping? As a five-year-old, I was getting out of bed at 5.30 a.m. to do my share of the farming chores. I mean, milking those cows, throwing hay bales. Most Christmases, I got a pair of new blue jeans, my one pair for the coming year. I wasn't allowed to wear neckties or fancy clothes. Because of my parents' legalistic religious beliefs, I was not allowed to go to movies, dances, or sporting events. Our home was rigid and somber, little laughter. I received zero in financial help for college from my parents. 
because, again, we were poor and strict religiously. I'm not sure which caused it, but we didn't have radio or TV in our house. And I hated the cold weather in Ohio. I mean, obviously, my chances for any success were limited. If only I had been born into a family with more opportunity. Well, really? I mean, were those disadvantages or were they desirable difficulties? Because I can also tell my story like this. In my family, we learned how to make good use of everything. Nothing was wasted. We grew our own food, and I created toys from things other families discarded. As a small boy, I had the opportunity to experience real work and to begin my commitment to work that was meaningful and profitable. With no TV or radio in the house, I became an avid reader and listener of the Nightingale Conant programs that opened me up to a wealth of wisdom and knowledge that serves me well still today. And the strangest secret had a profound impact on me, helping me believe that as a 13-year-old farm kid, that my thinking, not my circumstances, would shape the direction of my life. I worked right through my college years and valued the education that I was paying for every penny myself. My father's devotion to his religious views prompted me to study deep and formulate beliefs that I could equally be committed to. Today, I value that work ethic, and the uncompromising integrity I learned in that strict Amish Mennonite environment. Well, as my own man, I, I wore neckties until I came to my own realization that there was more than legalism to provide reason for not wearing those silly things. I mean, the creativity and ingenuity I experienced as a child has served me in a thousand ways in helping me see opportunities that others miss. Now, both of those versions of my life are equally true. I mean, if you'd just met me, which of those stories would make you want to get to know me more? Which one do you think makes me more confident, happier, gives me more energy today? So what is your story? I mean, even if you lost your your job, your dog died, you've got heartburn and they repossessed the truck and all those things we have in country songs here in, in Nashville. I mean, what story do you want to be replaying in your mind to move to a higher level of success? What picture are you presenting to others? If you're telling yourself an unhealthy, unfortunate, sad, somber story of your life, it'll perpetuate the same reality. Creating a healthy story could change the way you see your life in the way others see and respond to you. Perhaps those things you saw as disadvantages were simply desirable difficulties. Well, hey, just a reminder here, typically I'm answering questions from you, the listeners. Today, we're doing a little bit different. Just because it's here at the holidays, I want to just pick a theme and talk about it. It's one of those that recurs so often in the questions you all submit. But hey, as we roll into the new year, I'll be looking forward to digging back into that magic mailbox so you can send your questions, your success stories into, or your stories about desirable difficulties. You can shoot those into me at askdan at 48days.com. Again, that's askdan at 48days.com. Well, I mentioned a little earlier, my son, Jared, you know, Jared had a lot of difficulties in school and became kind of the class clown. We realized there was a problem because he had trouble reading, trouble understanding what they were doing in a classroom. So we took him out, homeschooled him, worked him through that. You know, he, I remember one time it was approaching the Super Bowl and his favorite team were the, uh, the 49ers. Well, he made this big sign 
that we were just going to have there in our living room to celebrate his team. And it was the four peers, four P instead of four nine, because he reversed the nine. It was four P's. Now we, you know, we joke about it today, uh, but that's the way he saw it. He saw it reversed like that. So, you know, you're a nine-year-old kid in school. Everyone has to stand up to read. Obviously, everyone thinks you're an idiot. So you try to do funny things or dangerous things to create some social acceptance, self-esteem. We saw that happening with Jared. Well, the stories of people overcoming difficulties are endless. And Aaron Ralston, you probably recognize that name, survived a climbing accident, which ended with him amputating his own right arm. To save his life, he cut off his right arm. Well, he now has a best-selling book, a movie, and is in high demand as a motivational speaker. Bethany Hamilton, another one, survived a shark attack but had, and had her left arm bitten off. Now she's written several books. I mean, she was featured in the movie Soul Surfer. She's been a guest on Good Morning America, The Tonight Show, The Oprah Show. I mean, we would never wish this kind of difficulty on ourselves or others. Why is it, though, that challenges often seem to springboard Someone passed those living a normal, difficulty-free life. In my tough time, and I'm interviewed frequently, and they always want to know about you know, tough times in my life. Well, it's easy for me to recall a very tough time. There have been many, but one in particular, when I made some business mistakes and banking um, relationships changed and forced me into kind of an untenable position. I sold a business at public auction and woke up the next morning and realized I was close to half a million dollars in debt. Well, that difficulty, and it was, believe me, it was horrendous, humiliating, embarrassing, as well as stressful and all those things as well. But it forced me to look at new ways of running a business. I mean, up to that point, I thought that to grow a business, you get a bigger building and more employees. Well, today I have no building, no employees. How about that? You know, I work out of a, an old barn on our property, but we don't have any kind of a retail place that people come or anybody comes. It's very, very different. And that difficulty opened my eyes to some possibilities that are much better fit for me and have springboarded me into success that I would have never experienced any other way. Well, in Romans, this is out of the Bible, in Romans 5, 3 to 5, in the message, it says, there's more to come. We continue to shout our praise, even when we're hemmed in with troubles, because we know how troubles can develop passionate patience in us, and how that patience, in turn, forges the tempered steel of virtue, keeping us alert for whatever God will do next. In alert expectancy such as this, we're never left feeling shortchanged. Quite the contrary, we can't round up enough containers to hold everything God generously pours into our lives through the Holy Spirit. Well, I love that encouragement. You know, I did an interview just today, and the the gentleman had seen a video on our 48 Days website about the tree that I have as we approach my office out here. It's, it was once a great big cedar tree, about 65 feet tall. Now, it's just a scrub tree. It wasn't anything pretty. They aren't very pretty in their natural kind of environment. But it was a tree nonetheless. Well, one spring, I realized it was dead. It wasn't going to come back. I still have no idea why. There's lots of others on our property that are doing well, but it did not. Well, here's this big tree. And I thought, oh my gosh. I mean, as a farm kid, you know, I hate to lose a tree. And rather than just cut it down and try to get rid of the stump, I thought, you know, there's got to be something we could do with that tree. And I called a lady who was known as a wood 
carver, wood sculptor. She had never done a standing tree before. She had always done things just on her bench in her workshop. She says, well, the worst that could happen is I mess it up and we cut it down. I said, well, that's true. So I had, it t- I had her come out. We walked around that tree and I said, Terry, I said, I think there's an eagle trying to get out of that tree. She walked around it for about 20 minutes, didn't say much. And finally she said, you know, Dan, I think you're right. Well, I had it topped at about 14 feet off the ground. She came out, we set up scaffolding and she went to work on that. And she released this beautiful, beautiful eagle. The wingspan's about six feet. The wings themselves are the first two branches that came out from the tree. There's no added color. We exposed those rich oranges and reds that are in the cedar. Here's the metaphor from that. I mean, it's an iconic piece on our property that hundreds and hundreds of people have uh, seen, taken their picture with. People stop in, take their picture there all the time. But here's the deal. It was there all along. We just couldn't see it. And in as much as I thought the tree is dead, and that's a sad occasion, no, it was getting ready to birth something way more spectacular than had ever been there before. Now, it's cedar. You know, it doesn't rot. It'll be there long after I'm gone. But that often is the case in those times where we think something has come to an end, the sad ending whether it's a job, a business, you know, something creative, you started a project that didn't work, a, a book launch that didn't work or whatever, you think, oh my goodness, you know, it's nothing but doom and gloom. Well, be careful about that thinking because there may be getting ready to be birthed something right behind that that gives you one of the greatest achievements of your life. I've got others. Wow. I mean, but even as I'm talking about this and I'm confused by this seeming contradictoriness of it all. I mean, as a parent, I don't want my children to experience difficulty. I don't want my wife to suffer in any way. In my coaching, I help people build lives of success and prosperity. So how are you handling those desirable difficulties in your life? Are you avoiding them at all costs, seeing them as a waiting pattern until things get better and wishing you had a life with no stress or hardship? Or have you found the value the surge of power, the new insights, the profound desire that could only have shown up because of that difficulty. I mean, I've had enough life experience, been around a while at this point. Boy, when those challenges come up, I take a deep breath and say, wait a minute, instead of just trying to get a Band-Aid over this, what is this going to tell me? What is this preparing me for? I have a much different approach to difficulties much different response than I would have as a 20-year-old. Today, I view them a little differently because I've had so much experience of seeing how those were the very times when it was developing something in me or new circumstances that were going to give me a bigger opportunity than i ever seen before. I love the anticipation, of course, right here at the beginning of a new year. You know, talking with a gentleman this morning, you know, I've just completed the 20th anniversary edition of 48 Days to the Work You Love. So I'm, it seems like a blink of an eye. That was, so I'm looking back 20 years. I mean, that's what seems like a blink of an eye ago. So it gives me that perspective, all the changes we've seen. Wow. How exciting to anticipate the next 20 years. Who knows what the workplace is going to look like now? I mean, when we go through the, even the way my business has developed, you know, from a Sunday school class to an open community seminar, to then being on the radio, to then doing a podcast. And each time my audience multiplied by 10 times, I'm sitting here, I've been doing this podcast for 10 years. Do I think that I'm going to be doing the same thing 10 years from now? 
Not at all. I have no idea what's next. But with the changes that we've seen, I'm fully confident there are going to be changes and it may be painful when it happens. It may be something that we don't embrace, that we don't welcome. But I'm confident that on the other side of that, there's going to be an opportunity that will give me another 10 times multiple. And I'm excited about that. Well, I hope that you've been encouraged by this, that you have been able to take a fresh look at those things that seem like difficulties in your own life that may in fact be opening up the next opportunity you've been waiting for. You know, whatever point you're at in your road to your dream work, your dream life, whatever that looks like, guy, I hope this gives you the inspiration, the motivation. And we want to give you some how-to information, how to move quickly, confidently in the direction of your dreams, embracing those desirable difficulties and discovering the unexpected success that waits for you. Now, again, remember our quotation for today, a man of character finds a special attractiveness in difficulty since it is only by coming to grips with difficulty that he, he can realize his potentialities. That's from Charles de Gaulle. Let me know your desirable difficulties. I'd love to hear your story. Again, just shoot those into me at askdan at 48days.com. And I'm going to have this link to the Nightingale Conant program. I mean, they're the ones out of Chicago that have programs from what I consider the masters of achievement. People like Tony Robbins and Dennis Waitley and Earl Nightingale, Napoleon Hill, all the old greats are in there. Well, I'm fortunate enough to have a program in there called Dream Job, and that's the one they've got reduced right now. Um, it's normally, you'll see there, it's normally priced at $199.95, but it, right now it's $39.95. That goes totally to them, and I'm just thrilled to give you a resource there that you can go to. I'll put the link for that in our show notes so that you can enjoy that and plan through your own desirable difficulties. Well, I hope this has been helpful for you. Again, be confident that you can move through to the future that you want if you create a plan and act on it. That's the whole premise of 48 Days. So, hey, thanks for being part of this growing community where we together are totally confident we can find or create work that is meaningful, purposeful, and profitable. Have a great holiday season. We'll continue to come to you every week with at least some inspiration until we roll into the new year.